Good morning. Uh, thanks so much for uh, allowing me to come speak to you. My name's Jenny. If you don't know me, I'm married to Chris. And um, I'm delighted to talk to you this Mother's Day. And what I'd really like to look at is our identity in Christ this morning. And because motherhood isn't always, always very rarely rainbows and sunshine, it's a really important thing for us to ground ourselves in. And actually, we, as Anna said, all approach our life in different stages today. Various people will find this day really painful and difficult for various different reasons. Some of us will um, have young children, and that feels very hard. Some of us have got older, grown-up children, and today might even feel a bit bittersweet for lots of different reasons. But actually, some of us might be 50% of the people here who are not female and uh, are guys. And actually, what I want to say is as relevant for you as it is for women here. Because no stage of life is easy. Every stage of life comes with its challenges. It comes with joys and privileges, but it comes with challenges, often heartaches and frustrations as well. And for us today, it's so important to understand through such difficult times of turmoil around us, our identities, not in what we do, as Anna said, not in who we are, but actually those all change, but who God says we are and who we are in Christ. I'm going to mostly speak on Colossians this morning, um, and if you've got your Bibles, you can turn to Colossians 3, chapter 3, verse 3. Colossians, if you're not aware, is just a book, a letter that, um, in the Bible that Paul has written. Paul's written many letters to different churches and people in the New Testament, and we're mostly looking at those today. So Colossians 3, 3 says, Therefore, if you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you've died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. And I've got three points that I want to make today. Firstly, I want to look at who Jesus is. And secondly, who we are. In Paul's, lots of Paul's letters, he will unpack who Jesus is and give us this amazing truth about Jesus and then go on to say, because Jesus is this, this is how we live. This is who you are in him. So that's what we're going to do. And thirdly, I just want to look at who is we? When I say, who are we? Who's we? Who do I mean by that? Um, just to sum up. So first then, who is Jesus. And over thousands of years, people have speculated over who Jesus was or who Jesus is. Some would say he's a man. Lots of people would say he's a good teacher, a good person. He's a prophet. He's a teacher. They talk about how gentle he was or kind he was to people and the compassion and love that he showed people. And yes, all of those are completely true. But the reason that Jesus could do all of those things and is all of those things is because he was also fully God. So Jesus was fully man and is fully man, came to earth, but he, whilst he did all those things that we people speak about, is fully God. And actually, this is one of my favorite descriptions of Jesus from Colossians again, Colossians 1. It says, the Son is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth. Things visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created for him, through him and for him. He's before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. 
He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile himself to, to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So firstly, Jesus, we've just read, is the image of the invisible God. We this morning can know God because we've seen Jesus. That's true whether we know God yet or we don't know him yet. Jesus has been, is fully God and he's been made known to us and to all of mankind. And because he's fully God, he's always been. He created all things. He, that includes me, that includes you. And he created us to be like him in his image. We also read in verse 19 that the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in him. He was fully God. He is fully God. Secondly, we know of Jesus that all, from this passage that all things are created by Jesus, but also for him, for his glory. And our earth is supposed to represent the beauty and the majesty of God. And in many ways, it does still. It's beautiful. And the, the creation we see around us is amazing. And it can be hard to see that sometimes when we look around and we see a world of heartache. We see sin, we see people turning away from God, we see pain and we see suffering. And we only have to put on, our new, on the news to see that at the moment. And the world does feel broken and is broken. Yet God's purpose for this world and will, for one day, for all eternity, will be a perfect world that represents the majesty and beauty of God. And as humans, we are also called to reflect this glory and to be made to be like God. The third thing I want to pick out from this passage is that Jesus came to earth and he lived perfectly. That he came as a man, he chose to die, and he was raised from, de- the, raised from the dead. He defeated death so that in him we are reconciled and we're in relationship with God. He made peace through his blood, we read, and he's brought freedom from that shame, the blame that we should hold for our own wrongdoings. Instead, we can know peace, we read, because of a peace and a relationship with God because he shed his blood for us. So if that is who Jesus is, my second point is to look at who then are we because of this. And actually, when we are united in Christ, because Jesus is all of those incredible things and we're in him, we are joined in him, we've got the right to share, not because of anything we've done, but the right to share in Christ's works because of what Jesus has done for us. And the Bible uses a few different passages to talk about being united with Christ. It uses imagery of a husband and a wife of branches and a vine, of um, a head. We read earlier in Colossians of a body where Jesus is the head. And actually, in all of those illustrations, to be properly united, they, oh, sorry, if you're not, they're not properly, properly united or together, then they don't work. So I don't know about you, I haven't seen many headless bodies walking down the high street recently because without a head, we would not function. You need to be united with Christ. Similarly, with if we're branches into a vine, if, as many people know, I'm not a very good gardener, but if you cut a branch off, it's not going to survive very long without a vine. I didn't have a vine, I thought I could illustrate it, but sadly not. And again, a healthy marriage. If only one person wants to invest and unite in that relationship and the other person isn't interested, it's not going to be a strong and healthy marriage. To be united, both bodies are committed to each other. Now... 
I want to use an illustration. You are going to have to bear with me because I've just described how amazing Jesus is and I'm going to compare him to a bucket. But um, where shall I do it? Let's do it here so you can see. So I want to pretend that Jesus is the bucket. So do bear with me. So if we are united in Jesus... We are in the bucket, essentially. I've got lots of different balls here, so they can represent different people. I'm going to choose somebody. This can be Beth Fry. She's going in the bucket. Um, We're all very different, different giftings. This is Ella and her amazing children's work abilities that we've already talked about that God's gifted. And this is um, Catherine with her beautiful singing voice. These are my my boys. I've got identical twin boys, so they look exactly the same. Most people struggle to tell them apart, but different personalities different skills. One will do anything to try and, if it involves likely death, he'll probably do it. One's slightly more apprehensive, so they're different. But they are in Christ. They're not affected by anything outside of Christ. They are secure, they are in the bucket, and they are safe. When we're in Christ, we are secure. We're in the bucket. We're not going anywhere. Actually, if someone wants to harm me, or whoever's in that bucket, Beth Fry, if they want to harm her, say Satan wants to make accusations... Oh, no, let's not have to go through the bucket. And as we know, it doesn't end particularly well for Satan because he's already defeated and Jesus has won the victory. But if we're secure in the bucket, we are in Christ. Our identity is solely in him. Whether we've got our own giftings and personalities or quirks, we are still secure together, united in him. And equally, if Christ has been raised from the dead and seated at the right hand of the Father, and we are in Christ... We we are um, raised and seated with Jesus Christ this morning. So actually, the verse in Colossians that we first read about looking, focusing our minds above, actually, if we've been raised with Christ, what what Paul is saying is, why bother wasting time thinking about things outside the bucket that have got no power over you, that try to harm you, but actually have no sway when you are secure in the bucket, when you're safe in the bucket? Colossians tells us to focus our minds on things above because our life is hidden with Christ in God. Oh, my arm hurts. <laughs> I'm going to put that down. Therefore, I'm just going to unpack a few. We haven't got time to unpack all of the in Christ passages in the Bible, but I'm going to unpack a few of those this morning. So if we are in Christ, Ephesians 1 tells us we are chosen to be holy and blameless. Ephesians 1, he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. So we're chosen to be set apart, which is what holy would mean, and without blame. I imagine, if you're like me, we can all list off so many things this week alone that we've got, um, we should take blame for. Perhaps we've uh, got things wrong with a, conver- with a um, relationship with a friend or a, a, um, someone at college. We've made a bad judgment call at work. We've um, just been really short with our spouse. We've lost our patience with our kids. We've just not been kind to somebody. The list can go on and on. But actually, because of Jesus, we are chosen to be without blame. And that's solely dependent on Jesus. Every part of that verse I read back puts the emphasis back on Jesus. He didn't choose us when we came to know him. It says he chose us not before we were born, but before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in him. It is all about what Jesus has done for us. He made that decision before the world was even created. Secondly, if you know Jesus this morning, then you are a new creation 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. 
We're new and we're no longer slaves to sin, as Romans tells us we once were. In our old selves, we were bound by sin and slaves to it. And now we're called as one people to be a new creation. We don't live for our own selfish ambitions, but we live for one another. And the Holy Spirit unites us to be united to one another in one body. And that's warts and all. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we're created to um, live as a new creation for him. And he creates in us new hearts. Thirdly, Romans 8 tells us if we're in Christ, we have no condemnation. Therefore, Romans 8.1 says, there is ne- bleh, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for you who are in Christ Jesus. We are free from all guilt and all shame. There is nothing or nobody that can condemn you. Actually, all the condemnation that you deserve for your darkest secrets, or I deserve for our darkest secrets, our most shameful acts, has already been paid by the blood of Jesus this morning, if you know him. It doesn't mean he's ignorant of it. He knows you. He knows your form. He knows what we're all capable of. But actually, he chooses to deal with that. And later on in that passage in Romans, it goes on to unpack that we are set free from the law of sin and death. And also tells us the reason that the power of sin in our lives is dealt with is because the greater power of the Holy Spirit who dwells in us has dealt with it. Part four is that we have been adopted I think um, Nay picked up on it this morning when we were praying in our prayer meeting. Actually, we have been adopted as children of God. Ephesians 1, 5 tells us that he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Um, the word sonship refers to men and women here. That's you know completely the same. We've been chosen this morning. We've been appointed to, by God's will alone so that no, none of us can boast in it. Actually, we've been released, as we said, from that slavery of sin um, and adopted into the freedom of being a child of God. We fully inherit and live in the good of um, his, um, his adoption, and that comes with rights, it comes with privileges, but also responsibilities of being the children of God. And that verse tells us that the reason he does that is for his pleasure. Actually, we all become co-heirs with Christ because of Jesus. We've been adopted and treated as family. We all approach him equally this morning as well. If you've known Jesus for 40 years, 40 months, or perhaps 40 minutes ago, you thought, I want to know more about Jesus. I want to um, understand more about what he's done. God wants us to approach him in equal standing um, in the same way that Jesus does this morning, simply because of his pleasure. Verse 7 says, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he's freely given us in the one he loves. And sixth and finally, Ephesians 1, verse 3 says, if we are in Christ, we have every spiritual blessing. Um, Ephesians 1 reads, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. In Christ, we are completely saved, fully saved. We've been given every saving gift because of Christ. And all the blessings we have are because of his death and resurrection. They've been gifted to us by God's Holy Spirit, who works in us and is present in our lives as a guarantee of our future lives with Jesus, our future eternity um, with him. And we read that they are in the heavenly realms 
because our future and our eternity is to dwell with God if we know him this morning. We are resurrected, we'll be resurrected as Jesus was because we are in Christ. We've died with him and we are raised in him. So we've, thank you, (laughs) we've looked at who Jesus is, we looked at who we are. Who do we mean then by we? That's me, that's you and you. And you. That's every single person here, if you know Jesus or not. Actually, if you're visiting this morning and you, this is new, the amazing truth is that this is exactly what Jesus wants you to hear as well. He wants you to know that he died for you. He wants you to know that you are invited and he delights over you. He wants to have a relationship with you, one of new life, one of hope, one of freedom. And actually, if that's something you are either watching at home or you're here and you would like to know more about, you, um, we would love to tell you more. If you're at home, you can email in and we'll uh, reply to you in the office. We'd love to send you some information or, or speak with you if, if you'd like that. Um, and if you're here this morning, I would love to chat and pray for you um, or pray with you. There are people available um, at the end who are here to pray. Or if you want to speak to one of the leaders about it, we would love to answer some questions about that. And if you know God this morning, um, please don't just allow these truths, because they're familiar, to wash over you. Actually, um, there's a couple of words that I felt God would really want um, to uh, highlight for a couple of people here this morning, and I'd love you to respond at the end and um, come and be prayed with. We'd love to pray with you. Firstly, was that when I um, spoke about God taking pleasure in you, and Sai picked up on it earlier, actually, that God loves you. Um, you know God, you honor God, you love God, and you serve him, but actually to know that he takes delight and pleasure in you is something that you can't grasp it just isn't sticking with you and actually that is what the bible says and i would love for you to um, come and be prayed for if that's you you just think oh i just can't understand that god would take pleasure in me and and the secondly is that people are a couple of people possibly i think that just heard these truths and think fantastic that is so true for the church that's so true for and um, everybody around me but actually you can't really say that that's true for yourself. You're quite quick to be cynical over God's promises in your own life. Um, and actually, if that's you, I just felt God would love to. Um, um, I would love to pray for you for that as well. Actually, God would love you just to understand exactly how He sees you. And actually, that's probably true for all of us in an extent to know exactly how God sees us um, more. But let's, yeah, not settle for anything less than what the Bible actually says about us. Um, I felt challenged that if the Bible says something about yourself and it doesn't sit right with us, then it's with us. We really need to grapple with that and make sense of that and understand the truth of that in our lives because the stumbling block is probably more likely to be with us. It's definitely not with what God says about us because his word is perfect. So I'm just going to sum up now. So despite what Satan will try to convince you to believe in your life, the most true version of yourself is one that is living in the truth of what God says about you. It's one that is pursuing a relationship with God. It's one that's enjoying fullness of life with him. That is our identity this morning. Uh, Randy Alcorn says, No wonder the devil is so intent in keeping us from grasping our standing in Christ. For if we see ourselves in heaven with Christ, we'll be drawn to worship and serve him here and now, creating ripples in heaven's waters that will extend outward for all eternity. Let's not be a people that are quick to be swayed or influenced by media, social media, feelings, input from family, friends, often well-meaning, but actually to be solely inputted and solely shaped by what Jesus says about us. 
Grant spoke a few weeks ago and he talked about us being like trees and um, rooting ourselves. Force sort of trees will root and force their roots deeper and deeper to make strong, decent roots. Let's be people like that that force our roots deeper and deeper in what God says about us. Because ultimately, if we don't root our identity in God, we will root it in something else. That's inevitable. But it will be something far more fleeting, something that doesn't last. And actually, as we've said, we look around and we see globally so much turmoil and pain. Um, And even in our own nation, where we're secure, we're safe, people feel unsettled. There's a sense of being unsettled, isn't there, by what has happened in the last few years, what we see unfolding around us in the globe. And yet we have a responsibility this morning to show people that there is an unchanging identity that we have that they can know as well. I'm going to ask um, Owen and Catherine and the rest of the worship group to come back up. Um, I don't know if you'd like to stand, and then we'll go back into worship. We want to be a people this morning, don't we, that know who Jesus is and that know who we are because of him. So we want his voice to be the loudest voice in our own lives and to dictate what, how, how we see ourselves and who we really are. Um, so I'd just like to respond by praying and then um, just asking Owen and Catherine to lead us just in a response to pray, to praise Jesus for who he is this morning. God, I thank you so much that we stand on the incredible truth of what you say about us, that we don't have to stand on the, unwe- uh, on the um, fleeting thoughts or emotions that we might have on um, what we might have been told at various points in our lives about us, whether true or untrue, but actually, God, what you say about us is what we are. God, that our identity is solely in what Jesus has achieved. God, that we don't have to try and strive, that we don't have to um, earn what we are. God, that it is given to us, gifted to us by grace and freely given to us this morning. God, that we stand, we don't have anything we can offer, God, but you give us everything and that we are so thankful to know Jesus in our lives, God. We just thank you for what you've done and we just want to continue to worship you this morning. Amen.